0: welcome back chelsea fans to another episode of the romans empire podcast where all we do is talk chelsea and talk shit about everyone else but on the chopping block this week we have uh, fulham and obviously our second leg against real madrid so here uh joining me is andres andres how you doing man how's your
1: weekend feeling good i'm back i'm not not ready to go back into work yeah. but i'm back
0: are you uh are you slowly waning yourself uh off the tequila addiction from your Mexico trip or
1: Oh no, I'm i it's it's a cold hard stop. I, I need to I need to lose the weight I just put on, man. It was endless drinking and eating and the pants were feeling tight at the end of that week, so Yeah,
0: it's, man, it's, you gotta you gotta make sure you look good for when I uh for when I come up to Houston in two weeks.
1: Yeah, two week two week fast. We'll see two weeks
0: goes. two weeks until our first live podcast. Yeah. where all three of us will be in the same room and in the same place at the same time.
1: A, a Roman's empire first.
0: That would be great. Well, um, so obviously, Andres, we, we, we beat Fulham 2-0 this week. It was a huge result in terms of uh, the final four pu- – or the top four push. Um, so I'll just go through the starting 11 really quick. Uh, we had uh, Eduardo Mendy in goal – uh christensen silva zuma as the back three uh christensen playing on the left um excuse me on the right uh reese james and um ben Chobo playing as our wingbacks with uh <laughs> i like this nickname you put in here andres Gilmount. i think this one can stick
1: uh, listen every <laughs> time we have a double pivot we are required to give a nickname this is all i got
0: Gil- Gilmount. mount what about
1: yeah. what about
0: Uh, yeah, no, that doesn't make sense. I I was trying to think of Mount first, but I can't think of anything. Uh, Ziyech Havertz and Werner up top. So, I mean, obviously Andres, I think the big talking point here is Billy Gilmore's inclusion in the side. So, um, I thought he held his own pretty well. Obviously he started the game out, um, a little shaky in terms of his passing. Some of his positioning was suspect to start, but as the game grew on, I thought, I I thought he actually looked pretty good. Um, what, what did you take away from it?
1: Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, for a guy that hasn't played very much, he, he looked all right. He had to warm up to the game, like you said. So I, I didn't have too many complaints uh, on his game. I also thought he was, it was a little bit different in this match. The way that the lineup looked, it seemed like he was a little bit more isolated. Uh, it, it felt like Mount was pushing a little bit higher to be level with Ziyech. And then in front of them was Werner and Havertz. So Maybe it was just the fact that Fulham was giving us so much space that, that Mount had a more of a license to go forward and, and left Gilmore a little bit more alone in that central space. But I thought he did just fine. for Again, for a guy that hasn't played in who knows how long, I, I was very pleased.
0: What about uh, the physical side of the game? I thought, especially in the beginning, uh, when Fulham had that maximum energy to start the match... Um, I thought he looked like he got pushed off the ball a little too easily, um, and then obviously I th- I think just the pace of the game kind of overwhelmed him. To be honest with you, Andres, this was um it was kind of surprising um, because we haven't seen Billy much under Tuchel. Like we know Tuchel likes the kid, we know he thinks highly of him, and he kept him around the squad for a reason. But I felt like this was kind of a start, not necessarily out of nowhere because of our squad depth, but. He kind of bap- kind of a baptism by fire, no?
1: Uh, well, I think we're at a point in the season, especially with Madrid midweek, that everyone's going to have to contribute. I, for example, expected maybe a Marcos Alonso to get some minutes in this match as well. Uh, Jorginho and Conte probably both getting rested. Kovacic as well. So, again, Kovacic not 100%. Maybe you don't risk him against the Fulham when you're mm-hmm. probably intending for him to play against Madrid. Conte also had just come back from from a little knock. So I think we're going to be seeing a lot more rotation. I mean, even Aspie got a break in this match. Uh, so for me, I, I think that, yeah, sure, it came out of nowhere, but it's going to be a a time where these players that are kind of a quote unquote forgotten name is are going to get to to play some key minutes in a very important part of the season at that. So I think that yeah, sure, it came out of nowhere. But I mean, when you don't play that much, I think that he did the best of his ability. I don't know. I don't think physicality is lacking. I think it's more game pace. And like yeah. you said, Fulham tried mm-hmm. to catch us asleep at the beginning of the match. But I mean, we scored what in the tenth minute, and then yeah. the game was was pretty much coast mode after that. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't think much of it.
0: I mean, we got a question in from Leonard Cohn. We kind of already answered it, so I'm going to add a little to it. But he asks, <clears throat> I got to put on my my uh, my reading voice for this one uh, just because Som started that tradition. Dear Pod, Billy Gilmore had his first start in the Premier League today for Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea against London's oldest professional football club, Fulham FC, founded in 1879. Uh, very nice to throw that in there. What are the Pod's verdicts on Billy's performance? And Andres, this is what I want to kind of add to it um i don't know what the second part of this question is it says and balbo i don't know what that is i'm i'm guessing leonard that's a typo but andres i want to look at his performance in isolation specifically i don't want to say next to mason mount but let's say in front of mason mount because <laughs> uh, that's kind of what it looked like today um are you okay seeing that in
1: the future the the double this double pivot
0: i don't know if you want to call it a pivot more like right, a straight right, line. Right. Uh... <laughs>
1: Let's see. I'd say I'm willing. I'm willing for it. I think I think we oppositions like these where they're going to drop back. I I don't see the issue. I think I've mentioned it before where I believe that uh, not Mount, excuse me. Billy has this nice ability of looking forward first for a pass. So while your Jorginho and your Kovacic may may do this whole tempo style of passing I think Billy can can kind of go straight up the middle and find a good through ball and so for me against these sides that truly are just going to defend against us I'm okay with it especially when you have such a stout back line such as Christiansen Silva and Zuma I mean if quote if Billy's quote-unquote lacking the physicality he's he's well protected And, and in terms of mount again we, we preach about him being in the in the double pivot a lot and I'll, I'll save my full thoughts but when you have a player like Gilmore that's going to be looking to make the pass forward that allows Mount to do his best work which is kind of driving at the box so yeah I'm fully okay with this being a pivot again and I mean they're both young so who knows this could be a pivot we see in the you know in the future for a long time.
0: Um, I didn't really see any other surprises in the team besides Billy Gilmore. Um, I mean, I guess you could maybe talk about Kai Havertz a little bit, but I want to get to that a little later. Andres, I want to stick more to the formation, though. Um, I kind of alluded to it. So you had Billy and Mason Mountain in there. Some called it a double pivot. I called it a straight line jokingly. But that's honestly what it looked like in possession. So um, it did kind of look like a, a – this is kind of weird – a 3-3-2-2. Three, three, two, two where um, you had your three center backs, Billy playing in between basically just the wing backs. Um, And then, you know, you have uh, Mason Mount and Ziyech playing as eights. Um, And, of course, Haberts and Werner playing up top together. So let's kind of start from the back moving forward. Obviously, that back three, I don't think we have any issues with it. Um, We trust all three of those players. Is that agreed, Andres?
1: Yeah, I mean, any combination of a back three that that has – like I said, my one requirement in these back threes is put Silva or Christensen in the middle if mm-hmm. the other isn't in there. And, and honestly, mm-hmm. I trust the the five guys that we've put back there so far. I'll trust to to have a good performance.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that it's Silva or Christensen has to be in the middle. Um, you know, we, we spoke a little bit about um Billy Gilmore, but what about Mason Mount's positioning? Um, and more specifically, uh, Ziyech's positioning also. Um, they they kind of dropped off into these eight positions and Andres this was something that I talked about a lot <clears throat> excuse me my voice just totally cracked <laughs> I talked about this yeah everybody laughing at me um I I talked about this a lot last season how we all kind of did mount at the eight we we've been beating that to death but I also alluded to Hakim Ziyech possibly playing in a midfield role this season over the summer after we signed him and um. We kinda saw it. It wasn't necessarily a number ten because he was dropping off pretty deep defensively. Um so, so what did we kinda make of that? I mean this is a guy that's that's takes a bit to get going in games, right? We always talk about how it takes him maybe forty five minutes to an hour before he really starts to get in the flow of things. Did you get that sense again or or did you like this positioning for him?
1: Um again I think it works out to our advantage when the other team isn't pressing the midfield. I still don't know how I would feel against a, for example, if we were to run a three man midfield against Madrid, ZS would not even be considered in my midfield three. Uh, I don't think he has the the defensive work yeah, rate no question. for, for that sort of thing. Again, in this three-four-three, three-four-two-one, three-three-two-two, two, whatever you want to call it. It's so fluid in the attack. I mean, Ziyech is the the one that was most obvious, and we know he likes to look for the ball, get it to his feet, and if he has space, then try to find that key pass, but even at times, Kai Havertz, he had something like 28 passes, I think out of the 28-11 were him dropping all the way back to his own half and passing back, so it's so fluid at times that, yeah, I mean, if if Ziyech is willing to do that and Reese James will cover the width, there's no issue with it. So yeah. so to me it felt fine. I just don't know if I would set up a team with Ziyech strictly as a center mid that instead of somebody that can float in, create space in behind him.
0: Again, the the whole concept of luxury player comes up again with Ziyech. Cuz right. I feel like cuz I feel like this is a game where you can afford to put a a luxury player, aka an extra attacker into your 11 and make it work tactically. And this is case in point. Ziyech isn't a box-to-box number eight, but he's able to play that role against a team where we know we're going to absorb a lot of the possession. They're probably not going to have very many opportunities, and they don't have a potent goal scorer. It's nice playing against a team that has zero goal threat. Now, granted, (laughs) and and, 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 and I am going to caveat it, Eduardo Mendy did have to step in multiple times in this game. Um, But that whole idea of him being surplus to requirements um, kind of comes up again here. And, and, and to be honest with the Andres, he should have had a goal. He missed a point blank opportunity in this game. So another rough one, but a guy I, I kind of want to move on to a guy that actually was firing on all cylinders. Um, Kai Havertz, he kind of turned it into his own little show here. Um, obviously two goals on the game, 28 passes completed, 87% pass accuracy, Um, one key pass on the day. Really good performance, Andres. I mean, you want to talk about that well-rounded striker performance we've been asking from him all season? Uh, This is it. We've seen it in glimpses, but for me, one performance isn't enough. I got to see some consistency. I want to see him do this over the span of, what, seven or eight games in a row where he might not be scoring doubles or hat tricks, but He's chipping in with goals and assists. And you know, he he he's creating opportunities for his teammates. He's impacting the game. Um, and I thought he did that excellently in this. So Prash asked us a question. Kai earns a start for Wednesday. The calmness, the touch reminds me of a Burbatov. I, I never thought of that, but I can I, I can see the uh I can see the relation there. Andres.
1: <laughs> so 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 far. His best performances have been against lower-level opposition, per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barnsley. Uh, was, it, was it Barnsley? Yeah, it was. The hat yeah, trick at the Barnsley. beginning of the season. Crystal Palace. This match. And then Everton. They got a hot streak, but they're back to being mid-table. So Ever- Everton's a good side. Very good side. Average.
0: I think, that's harsh. I think that's harsh. We we can give Kai credit for scoring against a good team in Everton. Come on.
1: All right. Well, I want to see Kai Havertz score on a team like Porto. He didn't do shit in two legs yeah, over Porto. Uh, I, I, I'm agreeing with you. I just so, said so the guy needs to be more point, consistent. Yeah. He, he probably does earn their start Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there might be an off chance that he doesn't just because he played the full 90. But mm-hmm. then again, you, do you really want to pull the striker that's got two goals so far when he's on the verge of a hat trick? Like That seems a little rude. And and Tammy did get to come on anyway, so he didn't even finish as a striker in this match. But I think he's earned it. I think, again, it'd be nice to have a forward have back to back good matches, and Werner's not going to get the start as the front man again against Madrid. I mean, that... I didn't get to speak speak on it because I was away, but that miss is a bad miss. So you probably keep him as a outside ten to do what he did in this match, which was do the dirty work and then slot in the striker and and just terrorize the def- the Madrid defense with his speed, not so much his goal threat. So yeah, I think Havertz deserves to start Wednesday.
0: Um, let's talk about that goal the first goal specifically that Mason Mount touch man
1: oh my goodness that that touch
0: mm-hmm.
1: is, is mm. very underrated very underrated that's like uh you know I would think hard- it's the equivalent of a basket like overhead basket catch in the NFL where the ball from I believe it was Tiago Silva was very high and over his shoulder mount is like contortionist move to to bend over backwards to look at this ball brings it down dead, waits for the overlap, and he finally plays a through ball that splits the defense. He can actually do it. It's so nice. He can actually do it. Good lord. Never does. (laughs) Dude, I think think
0: that technique, trapping for – I mean, me and you have both played, but for those that haven't played or those that don't have like very – or even half-decent touch – it's impo- it's almost impossible to control the ball coming over your shoulder like that on a full sprint with one touch, right? He basically killed the ball. It was played over the top by who? Was it Thiago Silva? I think it was. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, it yeah. yeah, it was Thiago Silva who played that ball over the top. And 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 mind you, very similar build up to this goal as the uh, as the goal uh, against Real Madrid for with Pulisic where Rudiger chipped it into him and, and he did, you know, the dirty work and scored. So that touch was just ridiculous. That technique is ridiculous. And I think Prash actually is onto something here. He is uh, 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 not Prash, excuse me. I think Mason Mount is onto something here in terms <laughs> of playing at, um at that pivot position. I mean, this is something that I really want to see him continue in. So To continue on with the theme of the letter-reading voices, Leonard Cohen graciously asks us another question. He asks, Dear Pod, Mason Mount is a versatile footballer who plays the game with blithesomeness. (laughs) Wow. And it could be argued, is the poster boy for Chelsea Football Club? Is the best playing position one of two number 10s behind a lone striker in a 3-4-2-1? Blithesomeness. What a what a word, man. <laughs> I'm gonna Google that quick. Andres, you want to touch on that while I Google
1: this? Uh, yeah. So we've spoken about Mason Mountain, where we think he should play multiple times. I think in this system, depending on where who you play, like, when we play a higher level opposition, you want Mason Mountain that front three for his his relentless pressing because. In this formation, we're supposed to be defending from the front, and and that energy and, and his engine come in very handy to to make these this opposition and the back lines make mistakes and clear the ball, and then it's it's part of what makes Jorginho and Conte look so good in the system. They just clean up because these guys are forced into bad positions. Now, in a game like this, where you know these the other team is probably not playing through to a midfield and they're just looking for a long ball and, and catching you off here and there, maybe it's not necessary to, to have Mount's energy there, but further back on the pitch. I think we all agree that come next season, should we see a different system where there's more midfielders, maybe a 4-3-3, Mason Mount should be part of that middle three. But in this system, I still, against tougher opposition, I want Mason Mount in the front three, not in the middle.
0: It's it's kind of it's kind of tricky because I feel like when Mount isn't playing in that pivot and we do struggle from an attacking sense, we always complain that there's no goal scoring threat from the pivot position. And then the, one of the first games Mount starts there, I mean he's having his his fingerprints are all over every single attack. So it's kind of like a double edged sword. I mean, you kind of pick your poison here. I don't think it's worth arguing what his best position is. I think the argument is, or I don't even think it's an argument, Mount just needs to be in the 11. Our best 11 has Mason Mount in it, and it doesn't matter where what position it's in. He just needs to be in that 11 one way or another. Um, and I think that's something Tuchel's kind of understood <laughs> uh, based on how he's used Mount. I think Mount even alluded to it. I forget what match it was exactly, but he played five different positions in 90 minutes and, 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 and excelled yeah, an FA cup and exceeded at almost every single one. He was a striker at one point. So, you know, this is the same guy who we were talking about last season. who We never, ever want to see on the right wing again. This is a guy who we thought was strictly a midfield player. No, I mean, he's, he's showing us all these different facets to his game. And Tuchel's noticed that. And I think that, doesn't really matter what his best position is. You just gotta get the guy in the eleven. And, and and I don't care who else is in the team, he has to be in there. He's a heart and soul. Um in terms of his engine, everything. I I just love the guy, future captain. A hundred percent. Um but anyways that's a that's
1: I, I don't know about top five player, but I'll agree no. to, to club captain.
0: Oh, are you making fun of me from last week?
1: Yep. You think I wasn't um. gonna listen? think you're going to sneak Man, that pass? Listen,
0: Mason Mount has the potential to be a top five player in world football.
1: There's already two guys that are in his age group that are already solidly going to be in that conversation long term. And Mbappe and Holland. And I'll add potentially don't, Alphonso don't? Davies. Okay,
0: I thought you were going to say Phil Foden.
1: Whew, no, I was no, going to no, call no, you no. Taylor Twelman. So That's three out of five. So at this point, I, I don't want to say – like if, if Mount can be at a level of a Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard, Paul Scholes, where, where he is obviously highly rated, but those guys were never considered a top five player in the world. I'm okay with that. Top five player is asking a lot. That is like in current football. That's what like Ronaldo, Messi, Sergio Ramos. Like this is a very high tier. You're asking like,
0: I said one day. I'm not saying right now.
1: I know. No, I know. I one know. day. I'm, I'm just comparing May- this generation's top five players. Like, these are yeah. the top five players. Like That is – that's a tough ask. Again, it, I yeah, think but yeah, world-renowned. I'll take it.
0: Two of those players are probably the best I've ever seen at their respective positions. Arguably. And I'm already
1: saying that in the next generation of players, which I, I think we already have their two replacements in Mbappe and Holland, So two out of the five slots are taken.
0: Mbappe and Holland is more of a replacement for Messi and Ronaldo, I feel That's
1: like. That's what I said. That's what I said. Oh, oh,
0: OK, OK, OK. I thought you were saying Ronaldo and like Ramos. No, OK. Um, Let's move on um, before we make this uh, Real Madrid podcast, which is the last thing we want to make it. Uh, We'll get to them a little later, though. We're going to talk a lot of shit. Edward Mendy, Andres, um, he was huge in this game. Um, I alluded to it earlier. Uh, Fulham's not a very good side. They don't have very much goal threat, but that did not mean that Edward Mendy didn't have anything to do. Um, Ron asked a question. uh, While most of the praise today will go to Mount and the German tag team, a lot of love needs to go to Eduardo Menderosa's way. Some of those saves were amazing. And, uh... Ron, just to kind of add to his question, he made three key saves, so obviously he was huge. That could have been a match decider if three of those goals go in. It's a 3-2 Fulham dub. So Andres, do we give enough credit to Edward I almost said Eduardo Menderosa. Edward Menti?
1: <laughs> Man, I think it's just – it's tough, right? Because sometimes he just gets to, to hang out. and And that's the toughest thing for a keeper because when you just – get to sit back and then the one time that they come at you is a good chance. Like it makes you look bad if it goes in, but Mendy has this talent, like for being such a big guy, he has these quick reaction saves that, that you just wouldn't expect and have come in throughout the season. I I can remember one. I can't, I can't remember who it was against. I think it might've been Spurs where he palmed it away after it had like a last second deflection and and little things like that, just, just add on. And it, it, at first you may think, Oh, that was just a, a lucky reaction. But when they keep happening, I think in this game, there was a, a ball that went through traffic where he was going one way and last second jumped the other way mm-hmm. to stop it. So it, got, it, it deflected off Reese James. Yeah. So yeah. those, those are not easy. I mean, shots are, are coming at you sometimes at 50 miles an hour, maybe 12 let, let's it's a range of maybe six to 18 yards away from you mostly mm-hmm. you would say so that those are still very hard saves to make and for him to have three all three saves today be like diving saves and and important ones as well is huge i mean we we talk about our team still kind of having you know those games where we get scored on once and then maybe we shut down if mendy doesn't make those blocks it, we we could have seen a, an energized Fulham, you know, come in late. So, yeah, he was extremely important. I don't know. I'm assuming Havertz got the man of the match. But so. if it wasn't Havertz, it could have been Mendy. It's,
0: yeah, yeah, I think so, too. If it's a 1-0, it's definitely Mendy. Havertz doesn't get a double. Right. Um, I, I I, think people need to put more respect on Edward Mendy's name, dude. <laughs> I think it's that simple. We see a lot of the rumors about you know going after Donna Ruma and then possibly looking at other goalkeeping options because Edward Mendy is not a long-term solution. The guy's 28 years old. If you're a goalkeeper, you could stay at the top through what your mid 30s. You can get at least five years to seven years out of uh, out of Edward Mendy. No, the guy is the, the guy looks like he has the athleticism to to last you know the test of time or father time right. And, and, and another thing, has he not been good enough for us? I understand all these other goalkeepers. Like, if a goalkeeper like Donnarumma goes on the market, you got to make a push for him. But there comes a certain point where you have to assess your squad and be like, do we really need to make this move happen? Are there other areas that definitely need upgrading first? And the answer is yes, clearly. Goalkeeper is I, – I don't think it's a trouble position for us anymore now that we have Edward Bendy there. As long as he's healthy at least. I'm not I'm not concerned about that position.
1: It's a weird thing to say had we started the season with him. I mean, he's played yeah. five less matches than Ederson mm-hmm. and he's only two clean sheets behind him. So yeah. and and I, their I,
0: defense this season has been ridiculous too.
1: Yeah. So I'd say that yeah, he he does deserve more world again across the league respect. I think you all you hear so much this season especially about Emmy Martinez, who who went from Arsenal to, to Aston Villa, and how great he has been, and it's just like...
0: Edward Mendy's done the opposite. He went from nobody to a major right.
1: club. Like, yeah. really? We're not going to talk about the fact that last season we were conceding goals left and right, and now we are second in the league for, for clean sheets? Like, that's a huge, huge turnaround. And yes, we, you know, we did have... We do have a better defensive, you it's know, okay. shape and whatnot, but regardless the keeper is still the one that has to stop it so
0: he's proved himself yeah and that's my point is like i understand that there's certain players you have to go after especially if they're going to be free agents or the club's giving them away at a discount whatever the situation may be you got to go after top guys but i mean come on (laughs) i mean we paid 30 million for him so it's not like we paid nothing to begin with Let's let's sit on that investment. He's already paying it's he, uh, for me, Andres. He's already paid half of that fee off, if not more. <laughs> so the kepaf fee? No, his own fee. No, I his think own fee was paid for a while I think, ago. I think his own fee. I, I think I think we broke even a long time ago. I'm, I'm talking about that KEPA fee now. Like he's starting to make me forget about that. Like At, true, at this true. point, we could look at our goalkeeping situation and be like, hey, we can let Kepa go on loan to another club for a season or two and hold on to him and keep him on our books because in the meantime, we have a goalkeeper here that's just fine. He's doing great. It's annoying. <laughs> it pisses me off. Um, And I think another guy that doesn't get enough respect, and, and I know it's not in the script here on just, so I might be catching you a little off guard, was Timo Werner in this game. Um, Now, granted, you know, the questionable miss, but... He had the he had the assist to Havertz, and he should have had Better another assist to Ziyech. Yeah. So this isn't this isn't a, a, a one time thing for Timo. We always complain about his goal scoring, but I think it's time we start giving some uh, some some respect and very well deserved respect to the performances he's putting together. I mean, his fingerprints are all over the game against Real Madrid. And now we have it against Fulham again. And for me, he's one of the first names on the team sheet against Real, um, just because of his impact in the first game. I mean, yeah. And and,
1: and one thing that to point out, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously we signed him for goals, but in terms of debut seasons, Timo Werner is the first new transfer to hit double-digit assists and goals in his first season since Eden Hazard
0: interesting very very interesting hmm that's a shitty stat for people who hate germans andres (laughs) Uh, that's a really uh, shitty stat for people that hate germans
1: uh you know i mean again obviously we we were hiring him to score 20 not assist you know not assist but Mm -hmm. if he scored 11 and assisted 10 that's still a very good turnaround overall it's a great and, turnaround.
0: I think I think he's sorry to cut you off. I just think he's he's he he's he's performing a different role here though. We're seeing him do a little bit of everything as opposed to mostly goal scoring like he was at Leipzig.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and it ha- you know it's something that people didn't really expect for him to have in him. And I think again it comes with the adapting to the Premier League. He knows he can't just run towards goal and not get caught. Mm-hmm. So if he's going to run downfield he needs to keep looking over to see who's open in the middle because he might not be able to do it himself which i yeah. think he you know naively expected that and he's come to admit that so if timo verner is going to drop if he can get to 15 15 this season i don't want to hear complaints about him being a flop
0: i don't think he's a flop i think i i think he's been disappointing at times I think he's had a few poor performances. I think he's missed way too many chances. But that does not mean he's a flop. A flop doesn't score goals. A flop doesn't get any assists. A flop doesn't play well at all, right? Isn't that the definition of a flop? Otherwise, they wouldn't be a flop. They would be an okay player. They'd be average. If they had a good game and a bad game every now and then, they wouldn't be a flop. They'd be average. So for everybody that says Timo's a flop, you're wrong. If anything, he's been average at times but for me i dude he hasn't scored as many goals like i said you could criticize him for the goal scoring but other than that he's impacting games and that's all you can ask for um and his attitude's been great that's something we don't mention much either uh black emoji has a question for us uh before we move on here to real madrid segment so very very interesting and um This is a question that kind of strikes me emotionally. Has anyone seen Cho recently? Andres.
1: Look, it's already been, what, 10 days since I was last on the pod? And Mm -hmm. I said that against Premier League teams who are now just defending for their lives. I wanted to see Cho. I'm honestly, you talked about the lineup and surprises. I was surprised that Cho was on the bench. I thought this was the perfect time to bring in a very offensive-minded wingback. I, again, I really doubt that there is some sort of secret thing going on in the background. I really think that it's just a matter of we're kind of in in very important matches here. Aspiau got a break; he had been starting at both wingback and center back. Get Rhys James back into the groove because we do have Real Madrid midweek, so. Again, I think Cho will still get his minutes. I think, you know, it's just a matter of where we're at right now. The The table has it at fourth by by four points at this point before uh, West Ham plays tomorrow, which would be Monday for, for listeners, depending on when you're listening. And, and I think it's just not a time to take risks. And when you have a guy like Rhys James that's probably more solid defensively, and you're going up against a counterattacking team. You play him instead. And then there's got to be, to an extent, you would think there's got to be some sort of pressure as well from the, the people up top saying, hey, you know, some of these new guys still haven't played as much as we need them to to make the money that we paid worth it. So, mm-hmm. again, against the Fulham, did you really need to play Ziyech? No. Could have been a Cho Could in, have been that a political
0: position. move or business yeah,
1: move. Yeah, and not just Ziyech. It could have been Ver- – Ziyech, Werner, and Havertz were all new signings. They all started today mm-hmm. against, again, a lower side. Tuchel picked his poison, and he started Billy as the academy younger player versus Cho this time around. Who knows? Next time when Kovacic, Conte, Jorginho all are, are healthy – Maybe it'll be Cho that gets a start on the right side. So, again, I I I'm bummed because I really thought this would be a perfect chance for him to to play and succeed. But at the same time, I'm not gonna start you know crying wolf and and this being like it was before where we're just not giving our best academy player a chance. Yada yada yada. Like I am not I don't see it this that way this time around.
0: A recurring theme with uh with Cho. Uh, right. It it yeah it, it just seems like. He's played well under Tuchel. He's always spoken well about Tuchel, and vice versa. Tuchel's spoken well about him, so it doesn't seem to be any sort of you know relationship conflict. It's just a matter of the team succeeding. He's a victim of the team's success, and and and, and unfortunately he's part of it. He contributed to it at the beginning because he was Tuchel's right wing back when we when he first came in. So right. Yeah, I mean he's he's kind of stuck in an interesting situation, but look, um the team's playing well and that's all that matters. Uh, Everybody kind of takes their turn on the bench at some point in their career. Um, And and I feel like everybody's kind of taking their turn on the bench at some point this season, too. Timo, Havertz, Pulisic, Cho, Tammy, Giroux, everybody. So so I I don't think Cho's getting special treatment from Tuchel uh, by being benched. I don't think he's being singled out or anything. Andres, we are... Uh, recording on Sunday night so that makes it what 72 hours before one of the biggest matches
1: uh, in club history in club history absolutely massive you Um, know what's crazy a buddy of mine who I'm pretty sure he's addicted to gambling he says he's not we'll see but he (laughs) messaged me today what does that mean we'll see
0: we're gonna take him somewhere
1: No, no. Well, once he loses big, maybe he'll stop. The thing is, he's good at it. But the point is, he messaged me saying, Chelsea's actually the Vegas favorites for this match. Mm. And that actually made me really nervous (laughs) because I've really liked just being – I like being the underdog. I like being told that we're not good enough. Like Mm. something about that just makes me so much more proud of this team. So then being told that, oh, yeah, Chelsea's supposed to beat Madrid. I don't know what the money line is. I don't know any of that. But I like it better when it's like, oh, you thought you were going to beat us, huh? And we just keep fighting. And 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 it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough game. So for them to say that we're the favorites, I'm like, come on, Vegas. Switch it back. I like it better the other way around.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I'm nervous. I'm really nervous. Not, not, not because of the favorite thing. Just in general, these, these kind of matches, deep down in my heart, I, I want to watch. But at the same time, I find myself while I'm watching these matches, I'm like, why the fuck am I even a football fan to begin with, man? What, what did I get myself into? This is gonna be one of those games that, that if it goes well, it's gonna shave five years off of my life. If it goes poorly, it's gonna shave five years off of my life. Um, so you know it. I'm just I'm just nervous but anyways in case you've been living under a rock it's it's 1-1 um Chelsea are ahead technically on away goals uh we scored at the Alfredo de Stefano Stadium um new news coming not out
1: the Not the Bernabéu
0: not the Bernabéu like I call which it under
1: massive remodeling
0: I, that is specifically why I mentioned the Alfredo de Stefano Stadium um which is where Real Madrid have been playing this entire COVID and during the Bernabéu remodeling yeah um but but some news coming out this week uh, on the injury front, massive for us. Danny Carvajal's out for the season. The club announced. Um, obviously that's their first choice starting right back. That's going to be massive. Tons of international experience. Tons of experience in Champions League. And he's a big game player. Um, <laughs> interesting one. Marcelo uh, has civic duty. Um, I don't know what that means. Here in America we have jury duty. I'm assuming that's similar. Um, but Andres, I've read that he's he's he might find a way out of that, um, and that he might be available. Um, Mendy is fit to play, so regardless, I don't even think it matters. I think Mendy is the one that starts. Right. Uh, Marcelo was the one that we were we were really feasting on defensively. So uh, in the first leg, Sergio Ramos isn't 100%. Um, but they're saying it's a doubt. But it's not a doubt. Sergio Ramos is gonna it. play. No, he's gonna play, dude. Yeah, He'll be he, there. he's a he's a warrior. Um, this weekend Madrid did play. Uh, they rested. Um, Kurs and Modric obviously those guys needed it after what Mason Mount did to them. And Conte <laughs> absolutely just spanked their bare asses. Um, but they played this weekend against Osasuna. They won two 0 It wasn't a pretty game, Andres. I did uh, catch it. Um. Eder Militao and Casemiro scored the two goals. Uh, Rafa Varane came off with an injury at halftime, which I thought was interesting. That's something that can be huge. Even if Ramos comes back, they're still losing out on one of their starting center backs. Um, Nacho looked uncomfortable in the first leg. So, you know, if he's going to have to play the second leg, good luck. Um, So that's something to also keep your eye on. It it hasn't been confirmed or denied whether he's going to play yet. So, Ron wants to know, what are your honest thoughts on our chances Wednesday? Andres, don't disappoint me. That's all I'm going to say.
1: I I mean, like you said, I'm nervous. And it's a big game, and it's it's okay. I mean, Madrid is – there's a reason Madrid has 13 Champions League titles. And I don't think we'll see a naive Zidane tactical outing like last time around where – he just gave us tons and tons of space and didn't change the same, anything until halftime right but at the yeah. same time i don't think he has the the luxury to not kind of come out and and get something quick like we the way we defend can be just as demoralizing as if we were to score because it it feels almost like a an immovable object at times so if they start trying to bomb bodies forward We can catch them off and no Carvajal on the right side. Maybe Pulisic on the left has a little bit more freedom than than usual. I I mean, I think we can sneak by with a one nil win again. It's not going to be easy. I think we're going to be sweating a lot. This is this is going to give me 2012 Barcelona second like vibes hardcore. Like I really think it's going to be a very, very sweaty game for us Chelsea fans. But that doesn't mean I don't think we can get through it. I think, again, just like we barely beat Atletico in the first leg and then the second leg looked much more comfortable, even when it didn't, because we still didn't score that many goals, I think it'll mm-hmm. be kind of like that. And and again, it's one of those things where our the way we defend lures these other teams sometimes to make mistakes because of the frustration that builds. And it's just a matter of us actually finishing the chances we create when we do frustrate them. Again, it's yeah. Madrid, and I'm not saying by any means they're a bunch of scrubs because they're not. Madrid loves the Champions League. They can be like sixteenth in La Liga, and I would still be nervous about a Champions League match against Madrid. So any knockout match against them. Yeah, yeah I I am hoping for a one-nil. I'll take the nil-nil. <laughs> I just... Oh, dude!
0: I will, I will bite someone's arm off for that nil-nil. Are you kidding me? I'll, I'll give up next year's salary for it. Honestly, like I want to win this match so bad, Andres. Um, but I want it to happen in a very certain way. Maybe, maybe I'm being a little selfish. Um, I just want Hazard to finish the game. <laughs> I want <laughs> Hazard to be healthy, finish the game. Chelsea go away. On through to the Champions League. And Hazard stays healthy. Do I think that's going to happen? Probably not. You know why, Andres? Because Hazard's going to be working his ass off in this game, dude. Um, That's what I'm nervous about, honestly. When I say a lot of nervous ass about, to work off, it is a lot of ass to work. He <laughs> ate a lot of cheeseburgers. Um, But, dude, I, this is Eden Hazard. I mean, this is, this is the guy that just made Stanford Bridge his playground when he was here. I can't remember any bad performances uh, at Stanford bridge um, from him really, but it's not only that it's the fact that he played against us in the first leg. He came on, he looked half decent. He played again against Osasuna. He looked half decent. Also, he came off around like the 70th minute or something. I can't remember, but uh, there was no injury or anything. It just, you know, tactical, but in the first leg, I felt comfortable because, like you said, defensively we frustrated Madrid. We weren't giving them any space. Benzema was receiving the ball with his back to goal every single time. In fact, that was the only way he could score a goal. Um, besides Benzema's shot from outside the box and Cruz's shot from outside the box, they didn't really have very many other opportunities. And I feel like our momentum in that game tailed off, partly because of fatigue up front. Our front three was putting in a lot of effort in that first half, especially with their pressing. Um, they were making a lot of sprints and a lot, a lot of long runs. And Tuchel had to switch things up. And during that time, Madrid got a little stranglehold on the game. Hazard came in, and all of a sudden, we're on the back foot. That is the bogey in this game for us, Andres. It's, it, it, it's, it's going to be Hazard. If he shows up and if he plays well, he's going to give us a lot of trouble because naturally defense is pinned back. You 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 don't have a choice. You have to pin your defense back because you know he's beating your fullback in a 1v1, and you know he's going to be running up 1v1 against the center back. So that's what terrifies me. I keep thinking of Eden Hazard ripping through us and doing it at Stanford Bridge in a Champions League semifinal, a position that honestly we should have brought him to multiple times. Because he deserved it. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think we're fine. I think Vegas is spot on with us being the favorites. Um, I don't necessarily think it's gonna be like the Atletico second leg though, where where they roll over. I think it's gonna be much different. Zidane's gonna be very aggressive with his lineup selection and. Madrid's players are going to be a lot more aggressive in their approach as well. And the first half of that first leg, it looked like they were pretty much sleepwalk. It, it looked like they, it, they were unrecognizable actually compared to the, to how they played against Liverpool. Did you give us, did you give a score prediction? Do you want to give one? I mean, I said one, a one, zero, one, zero. <sighs> That's the one I was going to go with too. Yeah. I think <laughs> it's going to be a one, nil. I think, I think it's, I think it'll be one, nil, dude. Um, I feel good about this game, but at the same time, I think I think the key again is stopping Eden Hazard in his tracks. If we can do that, um, Benzema's going to have to score another overhead kick to beat us because I didn't see anything from any of, the, uh, any of their other players that showed me otherwise. So, Whew. A big week, Andres. Wednesday, we can either yeah. record the happiest podcast ever or the worst podcast ever. The saddest, uh, I guess
1: I should say. Not the worst. Yeah saddest we've had sadder ones but i think we'll be okay what's sadder we had to fire frank lampard i mean Uh,
0: yeah i mean i it was sad but we did see it coming too we lost there
1: was a point where we recorded after losing six nothing or something against man city like we had some we had some pretty bummed out podcasts
0: yeah i i I have short-term memory so or I guess I should say selective memory. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I just like to wallow in my sorrow. You know. <laughs> what, what do you want me to say? Um, that brings us to the end of the show, obviously. So, um, if you're still listening, make sure you're following us on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, it's both at Romans Empire Pod. You could also email us Romans Pod at gmail.com We've had a few pen pals recently, and it's been great. Um, So uh, if you guys want to reach out, let us know how you became a Chelsea fan. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, we'll mention you on the podcast, which will be awesome. Um, So Andres, to to our 1-0 predictions, let's keep the blue flag flying high.